Hello again to the Pats, Peoples, and Foxborough faithful. Your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens here with the latest and always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEEI, WEEI.com, Odyssey Sports, and 2400 Sports. And we got a good one for you here this week, folks. This is our preview pod to get you guys pumped and jacked for the Bears coming to town to take on the Pats on Monday Night Football from the Razor. It should be an interesting game without any of the controversy or faux quarterback controversy that has taken place between Team Zappy Hour and Team Mac Attack. Um, we've learned a few things in recent hour that we'll get to in today's podcast about who we should expect to see under center and how it's all going to unfold. Plus, of course, with our preview pods, we're going to make sure we bring you a little bit of the visitors or the opponent's perspective. And when we get to the Patriots part, we'll be joined by the almighty and powerful Paul Perillo from PF Dub, if you will. PF Dub's Patriots Football Weekly, as you may have known him years ago, but of course now Patriots Unfiltered and Patriots.com. He is, of course, Andy's mentor as well, so you know where he gets uh, his elite level of sour power from. Uh, but we'll kick things off first with a look inside Chicago. We go to one of our sister Odyssey stations, 670, the score in Chicago, where a long-tenured veteran of Chicago sports talk radio and the Chicago sports scene, Mark Grody, gives us his take on Justin Fields' development, what these Bears look like, how long it's going to take them to get their act together, and a certain wide receiver that used to plague us that it seems as though they're in love with now. So uh, let's get you... The Bears preview with Mark Grody from 670, the score in Chicago. Pleased to be joined here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast for our Bears at Patriots preview by a member of the 670, the score staff. He's a host over there, Chicago Bears sideline reporter. This guy knows everything about Chicago, and he's going to give us a little insight and intel on the Bears Mark Grody joins the show today. Mark, how are you, as we like to say back in Boston? Uh, doing, as we like to say, doing very good here in Chicago. It's a good day. <laughs> yeah, we do. I, I do like the fact that I'm on a podcast where we there, there are very distinct characterizations of its people of Chicago and those of New England slash Boston slash the East Coast. Yeah, Andy, we don't have like, you know, when you when you watch a Bears game, like you see a million dickas, if you will, like that's yeah. the outfit, like the like that gorgeous like starter sweater and the mustache, the aviators chomping on gum. Um, we don't have like a no one dresses like Belichick or anything like that in the stands. Well, my concern is that in 20 years you will have that. If if this kind of peters out and we turn into the struggling franchise that never finds another quarterback, that you will have a lot of living in the Belichick era in the 2040s and 2050s. So uh, if you live long enough, if I live long enough, unfortunately we may see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark, we get accused now even just a couple years removed uh, from the double dynastic run of Belichick and Brady. I don't know if you heard, but, uh, you know, the Pats won a few games, a couple Super Bowls, whatever. It was, it was yeah. Chicago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we like to say, like, that's all in our rear view now at this point. But, um, you know, uh, people still say we live too much in the past, but, like, things are definitely turning around for the Patriots right now, and they should be turning around for the Bears. Each franchise with a first-round draft pick quarterback in the 2021 draft, uh, 
and, and yet here we are. We have a controversy, and everybody is getting all over Justin Fields, but the poor kid is working as hard as anybody else to try to turn things around. So um, just give me a general state of affairs with how Bears fans feel with Fields, the franchise, and first-year coach Matt Aberflus. But first of all, we in Chicago, we are the kings of living in the past. The, the 80s Bears are still some of the most prominent people, citizens in the in the city of Chicago, and they're all over the place, and it drives everybody crazy. I, I was <laughs> I was a kid when the, the so I love the 80s Bears, but and and uh, you know. 46 to 10, you know, that, that probably hurt Raymond Burr and, and everybody that was in New England back in the day. Ruined my 12-year-old birthday party. I'll let you know that. I cried right into my Carvel cake, Andy. It was miserable. <laughs> oh, man. The state of the Bears, though. The state of the Bears. Um, this has been an interesting season because the Bears are probably right smack dab where they should be, you know, at two and four and the way that they've played um is perfect considering what we thought going into the season and what we kind of knew going into the season is that it's rebuild this is a rebuild for the bears this season it's an nfl rebuild which means it shouldn't last long but that's what it is um they haven't used that word but they know it is i mean it's pretty obvious with the players that they eliminated akeem hicks who you know used to play with the patriots um alan robinson who was a great bear for a while you know they just kind of let him go khalil mack obviously they traded him so they, they they said everything they needed to tell us with their actions at the beginning of the season, that this was not a season in which winning was going to be the biggest focus. Uh, but, you know, as you get into the minutia now of the season, um, you know, Justin Fields has struggled to develop and that, that is what is expected of him. He, you know, everybody gave him a pass last year just because he was under a dying regime under Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor and John Filippo and all those boys. Um, and so far there hasn't been enough improvement from Justin Fields to satiate anybody around here, because that, that's what it is. If, if the, the bears are rebuilding, the only thing that is accepted by fans and, you know, I guess that carries over to media too, is that there is development of these younger players. And unfortunately there hasn't been a ton of it so far this year. Mark, I'm not sure if you saw Bill Belichick's uh, seven-plus-minute opening monologue uh, this week. I did. Okay. That um, <laughs> was, so was crazy. It made everybody here feel like the Bears were somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you, you know how after sort of the presidential debates, they do the fact-checking from okay. the debate? Um, can you give me a little fact-checking on what Bill Belichick said that may have been true in terms of – I don't know the youth. They can run the ball. They, you know, yards per attempt, and um, and what was uh, Lou Holtz like fluffing of the Bears? Oh man, I I would say that yeah. Okay, since you mentioned the running game, that stuff is that's about the only thing right now the Bears have going for them. A pretty strong tandem of running backs in the people of David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. What I thought was interesting about that is um, the mentioning of special teamers like Dane Crookshank, um, who honestly, honestly, he seems like he's probably a terrific guy, terrific player, but we barely, we in the media barely know about Dane Crookshank. Uh, 
know. Are you sure you're not making that name up right yeah. now? <laughs> I'm glad you no, said Bill that. made it up. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, Andy, what was the name? It was uh, Chris Board. He did the Chris exact Board. same thing with the Lions. He said Chris Board was the best special teamer in the National Football League, and that created a day of Lions beat reporters asking questions about Chris Board, trying to figure out if Chris Board was as good as Bill <laughs> Belichick said he was. This is his new thing, apparently, with the <laughs> NFC North. Hey, this is I'm, his new game. Hey, man, when I get in my car and go to bed, Bears headquarters today, I'm going right to Dan Kirkshank's locker <laughs> to find out about this. I'm going to play him the tape. I'm going to play him the <laughs> What do you have to say to that? Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's it was hilarious listening to it. I actually – but I, I was impressed. I guess, I mean, I, the Bills pulled this before, you know, and, yeah. and even when he's played the Bears before. But that, that was pretty – you know, to go seven minutes, I think. Is that what you said? Seven minutes? Yeah, it was a little over seven. A little over seven minutes of just, tell you know, talking about how great the Bears are and all the dangerous <laughs> spots. I mean, we're around here, we're like, okay. I, I'm not sure I'm seeing it like that, but okay, you know, <laughs> down down with that. Um, yeah, so the, the running backs are, are legitimate for the Bears. Um, you know, they have a uh, one really good wide receiver, Darnell Mooney. Um, who's even been only intermittently good this year. So that's a, that's a, um, a danger spot if you're looking at it from the Patriots' perspective. Um, yeah, but other than that, I mean, Jalen Johnson's a really good cornerback. Roquan Smith, I'm sure you guys have seen his name in the news enough. Really good linebacker. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 as far as it all working as one, it, it is not. even in, No matter what Bill Belichick's uh, seven minutes tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was he was putting every adjective uh, full of rose petals and olive wreaths on you guys, like impressive, explosive, dynamic, dangerous. Like he went through the entire playbook, and people in New England were wondering, is this the classic? Like I'll heap, I'll kill them with kindness now, but I think I can actually kill them on the field Monday. Or does maybe Belichick have? some deeply rooted respect for the bears because last week with his 324th win as a coach, he ties George Papa bear Hallis for second on the all time list. So it could be a combination therein. And also with this whole zappy fever fever, as we call it back home, like building right now, the Patriots uh, winning two games in a row. A third one was an emotional win. We apologize for not beating the Packers. They should have won that game. I know you would have loved it if the Patriots buried A.A. Ron that day. They should have. They didn't. They got conservative in overtime. Uh, but maybe also he's trying to keep this team, this very young team, in check. Like, don't get a big head just because the Bears are coming to town with a 2-4 and four record. They've been close-ish in every game so far this season. And this is a Patriots team, Mark. They have 10 rookies on the team that they kept going into the 53-man squad. And Andy and I in the postgame show last week were commenting on the fact that all 10 played in that win against Cleveland, which was uh, pretty impressive. Now, to the quarterback issue, who do you think the Bears are preparing for this week? <laughs> uh, we'll probably attempt to ask that question today. I think we're gonna we're never going to find out the answer. Obviously, you guys know how it works in the, the super secrets of the NFL, but Man, I don't know. I would think I, my guess is is that they they've been preparing for the for Bailey Zappi because he's still a little bit more of the unknown 
um, at, at this point. So, you know, I, I mean, we'll see. You guys would know better in terms of, you know, who's no. <laughs> you guys aren't getting this. Well, what am I saying? Yeah, Bill doesn't say <laughs> The void of information that guys like Andy are forced to operate in when they go down to Fox. He never gives anybody anything like that. He's not going to tip his hand. Andy, when do you think he tips his hand or makes the announcement? Uh, when inactives come out on Monday night and Mac Jones is or is not on the inactive list, because I think if Mac dresses, he plays. So um, what is that about seven o'clock on Monday night at Gillette stadium? Other than that, you know why we, we had the Bailey Zappi press conference. So Bailey Zappi as of Wednesday was being treated kind of as the starting quarterback. And I know there's some reports out there from ESPN that Mac expects to be ready, but even that what Mac expects and what bill tells him to do, could also always be two different things. So, yeah, I think Monday night around kickoff, we will see who's warming up on the sidelines at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that's who the Bears are prob- the zappy. I, I think that they're probably preparing for that. I mean, I, I could see the the scenario where they pull where Bill pulls a fast one, but if I had to say one of them, I guess it would be zappy. But you have to be ready for both. So you, you talked about the defense and the, the individual players, and I know some of the numbers say it's a good defense, and your tone didn't seem to indicate that same. I mean, Roquan Smith, you know, I think he leads the NFL in tackles or generally does. You know, Robert Quinn, like there's individual players. What exactly, uh, what exactly isn't up to par, and, and, and where are the holes or what's going wrong for them? Well, the, there's a, you're right, because somebody like if you look at the Bears defense as a whole, they might come out okay in terms of certain rankings and metrics and things like that, but they don't stop the run. They don't stop the run. I, I, they were given up. I haven't looked at the exact number this week, but it's, it's 150 plus per game is right. what they're allowing. Um, and, and that's, I don't care what else you're doing on your defense. That's good. Uh, when you're not stuck in this, in this version of the NFL, when you're not stopping the run, when everybody's so pass happy, that's a huge problem. And there's been some jarring runs against the bears defense and teams doing whatever that they have wanted to do. Now they, you know, there've been some pretty good running backs that have done work on the bears, you know, Saquon Barkley essentially had a field day when the bears, uh, went into New York. So, I mean, you look at some of the star guys in the league. I mean, I, I can understand that. But for the most part, you know, um, teams have been able to do what they want against the Bears in that capacity. And quite frankly, you know, you mentioned Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, relatively speaking, has, has not had a superstar year so far this year. He's racked up the numbers, but kind of like those empty numbers where he's, you know, not – that the tackles that he's getting are not adding up to a lot, not, not enough TFLs, not a lot of devastating stops. And then Robert Quinn, who you mentioned too, who, you know, set the single season sack record for the bears last year has struggled as well. So there's not a huge fear factor on the bears defense right now. And until they stop the run, I cannot consider them a, a really good defense. Yeah, Roquan Smith is is excellent, and I know his name was mentioned or bandied about a little bit in the offseason that if the rebuild was underway and a lot of teams would pay a premium for him, uh, perhaps maybe he would have been traded or, or moved prior to the start of the season. He's an excellent player, and if they hold on to him, he could be the building block of the defense, perhaps. And on offense, I mean, you got to build around the quarterback, and that's what we expected the Patriots to be doing with Mac Jones, and they likely will be again sometime soon when he's – fully healthy, but then again, it's Foxborough and Belichick, so you never know. Uh, and when it comes to Justin Fields, like, 
I loved watching that kid in college. Uh, I'll still never forget that New Year's performance where he just eviscerated Clemson, where he and Olave were at the next level that is beyond the next level with the deep ball. And I think he's got the it factor. I really do. He's unbelievable with his legs. His feet, uh, you know, he have, he's the third best running back on the team and probably would be the best running back on half the other squads in the NFL. But the Bears just cannot get the passing game going for love or money. I suffered through that Thursday nighter, uh, two awful Thursday nighters in a row. And uh, dear Lord, I hope the next one is even watchable, uh, where Mooney drops the ball on the goal line. You know, and this is for a team that has still to date, if I'm correct, never had a 4,000 yard passer. That's correct. Oh, boy. What's it going to take to get the Bears passing attack with somebody who obviously has playmaking ability and a cannon for an arm like Justin Fields going? Well, first I'll talk about what he needs to work on. And, you know, there has been an issue with him when it comes to, I'll just say to to simplify it because he could break it down into many different directions when I say this. But pocket presence has been a problem for him in terms of, you know, being aware of his blind side, being aware of the pressure um, you know, knowing what to do with the football with, when the pressure is coming. Do I run? Do I uh, go, you know, safe pass to the tight end down the middle? Do I go to a second read? So there's that. And then there is, speaking of reads, he's been, you know, pretty successful at finding that first read, but not great at going through all of the, of the potential receivers, tight ends that might be open. There's been too many times where, where after we, you know, a lot of times in real time, we don't see it, but sometimes we do, uh, where there's a guy that's wide open that he is not throwing to. Um, so that, that's a, you know, that's on him. There, and there are definitely some things that he needs to clean up. Uh, but the, the other part is, and this is something that we knew going into the season, this was one of the, the big talking points around here in training camp. Who are you putting around this guy? Who are you putting around him? Because Darnell Mooney is good. And, you know, we one of our little debates here in Chicago is Darnell Mooney actually number one. Most people think he's a number two. Um, and the Bears have just gone through, you know, Byron Pringle was a wide receiver. Equinemius St. Brown They've gone to, they just, they just cut a guy named Amir Smith Marset. And I know you guys have to look up all these guys. The the most popular wide receiver on the bears right now, guys, Nikhil Harry. Don't say ah, it. Don't, don't do it. Do it. Don't. Don't. It. don't. You may have just opened a portal to hell. Don't do it. You guys, you guys need to talk to me because anytime I tweet uh. his name, like Nikhil Harry talk, tells us blah, blah, blah. Nikhil Harry might play against New England. People, oh, yeah, get him in there. He's big. He's strong. He was a number one pick. He played for the Patriots. He must not have gotten along with Bill Belichick. But you guys are shaking your heads. He stinks. Oh. He stinks. Sorry to be rude. <laughs> no, no. He stinks. He has Don't slow feet and bad hands. He can't get open and he can't catch. Bill Belichick always says, I need you to get open and catch the football. <laughs> Nikhil Harry could do neither. You know what he is? He's a bus guy, the old cliche bus guy. You want him getting off the bus first so the other team sees that guy and says, whoa, that's their receiver. He's big. He's muscular. He looks the part. And then he steps on the field and the bottom falls out of the whole damn story. Well, we, we have fallen for the size factor. I like. I, I can't tell you guys how many times it's been. He looks like a tight end. He's a tight end. Look at that guy, he's huge. That's what Justin Fields needs. He needs oh a big target. Who knows? They could reclaim his career in Chicago. So uh, that that is that's so funny that he might be playing against him. But that's that that is symbolic 
that's the answer to the question. That is symbolic of what's going on here with receivers. So I'll root for Nikhil Harry because I don't think he's a bad kid. And he did every once in a while, you'd get a flash athletic play that you're like, oh, that that's what he's supposed to do. But there's just not enough of them. And there's just too many of the other head scratching plays. But beyond him, one of the things in Bill, we talked about the seven minutes. I heard youngest team, young team, young team, youth movement. You said rebuild. Is there how many of those young players are long term building blocks? You don't seem like you have a ton of <laughs> a ton of hope right now. Well, you know, they, they uh, obviously Justin Fields. They, uh, you know, they'd like to think that he's a long term build. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that that there's a lot of layers there too because that's not Justin Fields is obviously not their guy. The Bears have a new GM, right. holes, and a new head coach who made Ebert was all that stuff. Just so you guys as listeners know, um, but. Yeah, so Fields is in there. Um, they, they they drafted a cornerback in the second round out of Washington named Kyler Gordon. Yep. He, he's definitely a building block. Uh, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, another second round of safety who you guys will see, assuming they don't the Bears don't have any lineup changes this week after you know not having played since last Thursday. Um, Valus Jones Jr. Um, mm-hmm. off two punts <laughs> for the Bears is supposedly a building block. And then and then the most interesting guy, I think, out of this, I'm not going to go through every single name on the roster here, but um, a guy who's interesting is this the kid named Braxton Jones, who's the Bears' starting left tackle, who has struggled um, and you know has been sort of you know semi symbolic of the Bears' struggles on the offensive line so far this year. But it it, it was it's a shocker that a fifth rounder is starting for the Bears at left tackle, and he's kind of been. He's, I think he's pulls his guy, the Bears GM, and he's kind of been forced in there. And he, even he's been surprised at the development that they sort of pushed him to the front of the line. So there's certainly some guys on this team. And then the peripheral guys, like you guys mentioned, Roquan Smith, that it's still not out of the realm of possibility that they do look at him as a long-term building block. But the preseason tells us that they, they don't. So so we'll see. There's names, but, you know, it's it's we'll see that. All these names could possibly change next year for the Bears. Well, one thing we do know is the Patriots love to run the football. They're one of the better rushing teams in the NFL. And this is another week where they go up against a subpar rushing D, if you will. Um, Last week, Cleveland had some success stacking the box early, forcing it into Bailey Zappi's hands. And then he has a game that lands him magazine covers, NFL network coverage, ESPN primetime love and all that jazz. So uh, I get you out on this, Mark. Um, how do you see this one shaking out uh, in terms of uh, the way the Pats like to get after it versus what you'd hope the Bears can do? Well, I got to tell you, man, after the I think the last time the Bears played the Patriots, they put a 50-burger on the Bears um, back in uh, the Brandon Marshall era of Chicago Bears football. Um, that ain't happening this time. I think the Patriots will score 49 this time. <laughs> it's going to be 49 to 16, but no 50-burgers. <laughs> Uh, no, for real. It's, a great, it's a great name, by the way, for like a football themed burger joint. Yeah. <laughs> the, right. 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 The, the, Bear, the Bears could have their own 50 burger museum. You know, <laughs> this, this was the week that Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> was Tom Brady put 50. Out of now, I, I will say I'm going to go with uh, the pay. I do think the Patriots will win this game. I think it's be close. I mean, the, the, it's the NFL. So this is not really going out of limb to call the game close. But I, I'm going to say 24 to 17. I think there's going to be a little bit of a revival with the Bears this week because they're talking about lineup changes. They've had all this time 
time off. Players are pissed off about the way that they've started. So I think there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a little, I think the Bears will keep it close, maybe even have a lead at times, but I think the Patriots pull it off in the end. Oh, that would make for a good watch on the old Monday Night Football with Buck and Aikman in town. Mark, we thank you for the time. Listeners, you can follow him at Mark Grody Sports. He's a Chicago Bears sideline reporter and a host for 670, the score in Chicago. Mark, this has been nothing short of a Bloody Mary with a lot of pepperoni cheese and olives on top with extra jardinier. Thank you so much for the time, brother, and we hope to catch up with you down the line. Thanks, guys. That sounds great. I'm sticking with the coffee, though. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah. We thank Mark Grody from 670 The Ticket in Chicago for an excellent preview from the Bears, some good insight and analysis. Give him a follow at Mark Grody Sports. We now pivot to the Patriots, and when we pivot Patriots, you can't get more Pats-tastic than Paul Perillo. Was that alliterative enough for you, Paul? That was excellent. Thank excellent. you very much. From Patriots Unfiltered, Patriots.com. You know, I like to think of if Andy Hart is the um, – Obi-Wan Kenobi of contrarianism and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll say realism. I say sometimes negativity. Obviously, he's the, he's the apprentice. He has to have a Jedi master. And the Qui-Gon Jinn to him, of course, would be you, Paul Perillo. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, I, I don't like being uh, his apprentice on anything, <laughs> A. <laughs> and B, I also don't think I'm a contrarian. No, you're objective, just like me. Object We're both okay. very, very objective. Yes. Okay. See, I, I, you said you're not a contrarian and then you disagreed with me. So that was actually on brand and absolutely <laughs> yeah, perfect. Paul. I, I, know, I know how you guys work. I we know. appreciate you coming in, Paul, to uh, help us preview bears and Patriots as well as give us a little perspective uh, and help us just like sift through the nonsense of zappy hour versus Mac attack. Um, here we sit on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, there was the Jeff Howe report just a couple hours ago saying that, you know, seemingly barring any setbacks, it looks like Mac is ready to start and should get the nod. Are you on board with this? Do you think that's the right call? Uh, everything's trending Mac for Monday night? Yeah. Well, I think Mac is the quarterback when healthy. Um, you know, if he's healthy enough, I know Mike Reese had a, a, a report that he expects to be, you know, cleared to play Monday night. So, yeah, I would think that all signs point to him being back at, at the helm on Monday night. So I have this little theory, Paul, and this zappy fever that has taken over Patriot Nation, which I think we can all agree is legit. I can't tell you how many old people, um, sort of peripheral fans, not like the passionate ones, are like, oh, I like this number four. This zappy kid is fun. This zappy kid can throw. He has taken over. I don't actually believe it's as much about Bailey Zappy as it is a wavering uh, confidence in Mac Jones that was created from the first three weeks of the season and uncertainty that the belief that he's the franchise quarterback may have been uh, a little bit premature. Do you agree with that? Is this a zappy thing or is this a Mac thing? Yeah, I, I think you, I do agree with you. I think it has a little bit to do with both. I think Zappy's played well. Um, and and I made the, the sort of snarky joke. Like I think if it was, no. if it was Bailey Jones, I, I don't think it would have gotten as much attention. I think oh, no. the, the fact that his name is Zappy, I think, has has added to it. I think people are having fun with it. I think they're excited about it. But the bottom line here, I think Andy touches on something. If everybody was as completely convinced about Mac Jones as they claimed to be last year, I do not think you'd get as many people clamoring for Bailey Zappy to play. Uh, not huge numbers. We just, you know, we have three shows, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
on Patriots Unfiltered. And people call in and write in all the time. Andy knows the drill. Didn't ask anybody to call in and tell us who you want to pick. But everybody that called in and wrote in, I asked who they wanted. They came out 34 to 19 in favor of Mac. Okay, so. Wow. I, I would say that in, in in general terms, emailers, pro-Mac. Callers, they're on Zappy side. And I interpret that, as you know, Andy, cerebrally. The writers, they think about it. If you're going to take the time to think, and you're probably a little bit uh, on a higher level with your, your thought process. You're probably a little bit more of a passionate fan of the Patriots. You're watching you're, and you're understanding a little bit, as, as opposed to, I think, a guy picks up the phone, well, I, I want Mac. It's more reactionary. So I Good. think when you're listening to the talk shows on, on EEI and, and, and Sports Hub, I, I think you're hearing a lot of Bailey Zappi talk. I think when you get someone writes in, I think it's more or less Mac Jones all the way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, Andy, that people it may not have completely lost faith or confidence, like it's a no-confidence vote in Mac, but obviously from – the end of last season through when he got hurt, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns over the last nine games until his ankle got rolled up on. There are lingering images of blown games at the end of the season getting throttled by Buffalo as well. And everything that's come up with Zappy has been absolutely roses. I mean, the kid's got a spark. There's no denying that maybe he's a bit of an outlier in that like the team, like the offensive line started playing better. The defense started playing better. And also, it seems like the play callers, whoever they may be in that triumvirate cadre of play callers, Belichick, Judge, and Patricia, they've dialed things back a little bit. And I'm curious, Paul, if you think that the offense will look more like what they've done with Bailey Zappi over the last three games, more play action, more power running, something that kind of resembled last year when Mac was successful prior to the wheels falling off in December, then... 50-50 balls in the downfield express from the first three games. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I, I think that the play action needs to be part of what they do no matter what. I think they ran the ball plenty when Mac Jones played the first three games. I think they ran it effectively. Um, I think uh, the Buff the Baltimore game in particular, I thought they had good success running against the Ravens and set up some opportunities. Um, I thought that one of the biggest plays in the game on, on Sunday – that Bailey Zappi made was a 50-50 ball down the sideline to Devontae Parker that set up their first scoring drive. Um, I think people are completely overlooking 50-50 balls when, Z when Zappi throws them. Um, and, you know, a couple of the big plays in the Detroit game were pass interference calls, uh, just throwing it up down the field on one-on-one, -on -one, Devontae Parker against Jeff Okuda, and you get a flag a couple of times to pick up 30-yard chunk plays. Um I don't have any problem with that line of thinking, trying to get the ball downfield a little bit more. When Mac comes back, I think Mac is more suited to that. Obviously, I think they protected Zappy and had more underneath stuff, but I think that offense can only take you so far. I think that offense will be successful against the Detroits and the Clevelands. I don't know if that offense is going to be successful against the Kansas Cities and the Buffaloes. And I think that's what Bill Belichick and, and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are thinking. And how do we get more explosive? How do we get to the point where we can possibly compete in a, you know, 34 to 31 kind of a game? Because right now, handing the ball off, you know, two out of every three plays and, and throwing underneath is not going to be able to allow you to do that. So I understand what you're saying. You want Mac Jones to protect the ball a little bit more and be, be given more opportunities. But at the same time, I know exactly what the mindset was all about 
with trying to get the ball downfield more. And I think Mac Jones gives you more of an opportunity to do that. So, Paul, I know you don't sell season tickets, but those walls we see behind you are indeed inside of Gillette Stadium. So I'm just wondering, what's your perspective on uh, Mac Jones's um, attitude and relationship with the team? And obviously, I'm joking a little bit about Ben Volan, but he's not the only one that's had discussions about, right. you know, Burt Breer, I think, said something. Uh, the, the relationship went sideways at points this offseason. And, you know, Mike Florio says, oh, there's smoke there. I'm just telling you, there's smoke there. Um, do you believe there is anything to this uh, potential rift or situation with Mac Jones and maybe the Patriots, the coaching staff, whatever it may be? I, you know, I, I don't know specifically if there's anything to it, but I, I did hear the stuff that Bert Breer said. And, and, and I think, you know, from afar, listening to him explain it the way he explained it, I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I can see that. And, and I saw that at certain times during training camp when he spoke to us. Yep. I thought he was kind of cranky at times yep. uh, when, when he spoke. Now, I thought he got better in that regard as training camp progressed. But the first couple of times, and I know they weren't playing very well offensively during the summer. So I know there was some frustration there to his words. But I did wonder how on board he was with defensive and special teams coaches now running the offense in his second year. And I, I think he maybe questioned that a little bit. I, I, I'm not telling you that anybody's told me that. It's just a, a feeling that I had from watching him sort of interact with us. So I don't think it's a rift. I think that's probably too strong of a word. I know Ben got himself in trouble by, you know, taking it, you know, taking maybe bits and pieces of, of fact and extrapolating him to something that didn't exist. Right. But I go back to the Burt Breer stuff and, you know, to a lesser extent, the Florio stuff. And I say, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from with that. And you're right. He sprinkled in during the summer every press conference he would sprinkle in just a little bit. He'd, he'd toe the company line. He'd see, you know, love the open conversation. And then he'd say something like, and I know good football and good plays and we need more good plays. And like just little things that you're like, huh, what exactly does he mean by that? And I think that continued into the season with the uh, different philosophy on the 50-50 balls. Yeah, I'm throwing interceptions, but don't just blame me. I know I actually throw the ball, but remember, somebody's telling me how we're going to handle offense. I thought... There were little just seedlings of him letting you know how he feels without coming out and out and being sort of disrespectful to the situation. Yeah, and Fitzy, you could see some of the things they were doing offensively in the summer. You were with us every day too, so you right. know they were they were driving the ball down the field a little bit, and they were trying like it was clearly a concerted effort to do so. You know, the first game they take a shot down the field to Devontae Parker, it gets tipped and picked off. The second game, they take a shot down the field on a 50-50 ball, and Nelson Aguilar makes a great catch Yep, for a touchdown mm -hmm. against Pittsburgh. So I think that's some of the things that the, the coaches were trying to figure out, you know, how well can we execute some of these things? What kind of personnel do we have that might allow us to pick up some chunk plays? Because for as, even as good as some of the things have looked recently offensively, they still struggle a little bit in the red zone. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and you, oh, yeah. you're not, you're not going to kick field goals and beat the high-scoring team. So what's a good way to avoid red zone trouble? Well, skip it. Yeah, score from the 31. Which right. is exactly what I thought was so impressive last week, Paul. I thought I thought there were a couple of play calls from Patricia Belichick Judge, the, the Hydra of offensive play calling, that were, when Andy and I were watching the game, I said to him, like, they're actually, like, play calling with some stones this week because... I love the third and one. 
Yeah, that 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 play call had balls, just like the uh, the draw play to Ramondre on third and ten. Because I hated that one. <laughs> oh, I see. I love. I see. I love that one because all game long they ran under center and they threw from shotgun. So they caught Cleveland off guard, expecting yeah. a pass, and then Mondre hit a seam on the outside and yeah. took it, it to the if, house. If he picks up seven yards and they kick a field goal, you're, <laughs> you're ranting and raving, and there's no difference in the play call. Whoops. <laughs> well, they me, didn't. So. The, the third the – third, well, the guy missed the tackle. What are you going to do? The, 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 mm-hmm. the third and inches, to me, that's is a, that, that's a mindset. Oh, the third also, and it is. Time, we like this guy a little bit more. We're a little bit more comfortable than we were last week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and certainly the, the week before when they were in a similar situation in Green Bay. That's the call that everybody was clamoring for in overtime against Green Bay, right? right Let's right. line up with a couple of guys in the backfield or maybe a couple of tight ends, under center, bunch formation, hard play action, and we're going we're gonna to get someone sleeping. I yeah. loved that call. I thought that call made a lot of sense before the play happened. It's third down, so if you don't get it, you throw it away and you go for it on fourth down. I mm-hmm. love that. Third and ten, listen, the play – work to perfection you know beautiful and when they work like that we all look like geniuses i didn't love the call i thought it was settling for a field goal kind of call uh as far as that third and one though uh safety grant delpit was supposed to be covering hunter henry he falls i'm not sure if he just fell or if he got shook and baked or whatever you want to say by hunter henry he still would have he still would have had room to hit him in stride right right. for the first down and also for what it's worth to Big difference with Bailey Zappi. Again, this could just be outlier coincidence, et cetera. I don't think Bailey Zappi is like the tight end whisperer, but Hunter Henry now getting better from the shoulder surgery. He's had two good games in a row. His good four receptions, 60 yards, a touchdown every other week. Great. I'll take it. And getting Jonu Smith involved, that damn near makes Bailey Zappi look like a miracle worker at this point. Andy, how excited were you when he broke the tackles, Jonu Smith? Uh, no, I, I'm glad he picked up my mental telepathy and I said, hold on to the effing ball because I know your career. This ends in a fumble. Don't Nelson Aguilar this. Yeah, and I, it's uh, like immediately he hugged it with both hands and made sure that that was a good play. We but were both yelling, going, don't fumble. Don't, don't fumble. He's going, I told you. I told yep. you. That's what he's going to do. Now, if I can get about 58 more of those, I'll be right. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, let's spin this forward because I think – um, as much as this has all been fun, I think we're now, now, okay, hopefully it's Mac on Monday night. Cause I think most, as you said, that like the, the knowledgeable person says Mac's better. Mac had a good rookie year. Let's see where the offense can go with Mac. Right. What if it doesn't, what if it, what if he goes three and out? What if he goes, you know, two, three and outs? What if he turns it over? Are we going to hear boo birds at Gillette stadium? Are we going to hear calls yeah. for Zappy? This is a great, uh, great dovetail into what we were just talking about. Like everybody's like, well, Chicago, it's a great landing spot. You know, it's a game you're going to win. And I totally agree. This is a game. The Patriots are going to blow doors off. Um, Hey, we didn't ask for your preview yet. Don't you know how these work? You wait till the end, stick around for the rest. Yeah. I think people, most people have seen the end of this one because they're playing a terrible team and they know how these end. But what, 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 what I was thinking is I, yes, I get that the opponent isn't very good, but if I had my choice, if I was like, you know, Mac Jones's dad, and I had my choice to the best spot for my son to be, I would say put him in a road game. That way, right. you know, that early three and out, you will hear Zappy calls if they yep. don't have a touchdown on the first drive. It's or, a great call, know, Paul. Or if they look great. Now, I think they're going to win the game, you know, regardless. But, for, you know, everybody's like, well, you don't want him to play against the Jets on the road the first game back. He's probably going to be rusty. He hasn't done anything in a month. Right. So, like, if he doesn't come out and light it up right away, that, that's completely understandable. 
And I think he will hear some stuff if it's not, you know, as long as the game is okay, I think he'll be fine. But to your point, Andy, what if he throws like a deflected pick on the first drive of the game and Chicago takes the lead? Don't open Twitter. Don't open Twitter. Zappy. 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 Like, and that's not, that's not a a great environment for him to have to endure. See, I see the, obviously the Patriots now know they've got a more than capable backup in case Matt gets hurt again, craps the bed or any combination they're in, which is great. I'm not even looking at who's the asset, who could be dealt away. You need two quarterbacks in the NFL. Almost half the team so far have had to play two quarterbacks. And the ones that have started, quarterback play has you know, been far from spectacular so far in this wonky, sometimes kind of cruddy season as well. So uh, I would have started him. I would have started Bailey one more time, given him the final go round, and then started Mac Jones on the road as well, because I want that ankle at 100%. I saw the footage. He's bouncing around. I get it. Uh, no one's ever 100% at this point in the season. But um, Andy, do you feel the same way? I think that's interesting, Fitzy. Do you feel the same way, Andy? Would you rather see Zappi go one more week? Um, sort of. And I hadn't really thought of the road home thing. You're 100% right. He'd be it's better off on the road. I also think he'd be better off if Zappi was a little crappy. If Zappi had an, a rookie. I, I do. Like, like Cooper Rush. Yeah, like fade Cooper a Rush played well. great. Cooper Rush played far better than Bailey Zappi. But the and, last game he played wasn't great. And, and some people think the wheels came off in the first half. Yeah, some right. people think that he was told to throw it, <laughs> that he was told to, to look a little crappy so that they could bring Dak back. But I actually, hi, 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 hi Cooper, hi, Cooper, Jerry here. You put uh, that past Jerry Jones, there. Jerry, don't F with me, Jones. <laughs> you put that past him. No, um, no. Yes, I do. That he, that he threw a game. Yes, I would put that past. Him. Hey, if Bill Belichick can throw a, tell Matt Castle to put one into the stand. Oh, that's and, a little different. Yeah, I'm um, just saying it's been done before, but yes, I, I think there should be legitimate concern. You put it great. If I'm, if I'm Mac Jones's dad, I don't think this is the softest landing spot for him this week, Monday yeah. night football, a lubed up crowd at Gillette stadium. Who's got zappy fever and it's not great. It's not perfect. And I'll even go one more step further. Okay. I understand it's Detroit. It's Cleveland. It's Chicago on the surface, you know, crappy, crappy, crappy. Okay, but not all crappy is built the same. Correct. Chicago's pass defense is not crappy. Correct. At least on no. paper. Correct. I haven't exactly. seen a lot of the Bears, but their numbers in pass are, defense are, pretty are, good. are very solid. And Robert Quinn has been quiet, but if you don't want Robert Quinn to be, uh, you know, awoken because he's lined up across from freaking Isaiah Win, because quinning oh. will be better than winning. Oh, so oh. oh. oh it hurts so bad. If everyone listening needs to just press pause, maybe just stretch out, get a glass of water or bourbon, and then come back. I bourbon. bourbon. Speaking of Jerry I... Jones. Bourbon. <laughs> um, no, actually, we had on Mark Grody from Chicago Radio 670, the ticket, and the score, excuse me. And he was saying that their rush defense is terrible. That's four weeks in a row now the Patriots are facing yes. a team with a bottom 10 rush defense. Ramon. But the Browns did a good job last week, actually, of preventing the Patriots from – running wild on them, and then they're... Uh, they shut them down. Basically. I mean, Ramondre ended up with 19 for 76, but 31 came on that touchdown scamper. Otherwise, that's 18 for 45. That's even, not that even impressive. Even with the two long runs, they had the Thornton touchdown run and the Stevenson yep. touchdown run. Mm-hmm. They still only had 98 yards rushing. Right Now, it came at a, at a price right. because they clearly did everything to stack the box and stop the run, and there were wide receivers uh, just wide open everywhere. Do you also right. agree with me that I thought... Um, and I guess we don't need a long answer here, but I thought Ramondre looked gassed last week. I agree. Um, and Tired I, by I, the end of the third, right, Andy? I think it went like 19 
then 25 carries. Now he's got no Harris. He's got to be out there. It's right. not every other series. I really thought he looked fatigued. And this, that's not a shot. Like, I think he, A, he may not have to be in that role for long, but he, he hasn't done that for years, been like the every down, like lead dog. And I, I thought it showed. I, I totally agree. I think it's a good observation because I didn't think he was quite as elusive and explosive in the hole. Nope. He made some jump cuts against Detroit, like in tight quarters. He's yep. making guys miss in a phone booth in that game. And you didn't see that kind of explosiveness. And my guess is he was feeling the effects of the 25 carries from the week before. Yeah, hopefully Damian Harris is good enough to go for a couple of carries on Monday night as well, because I think I think they work best in complement. So when you yep. have Damian Harris, who's a one-cut hammer, and then Ramondre can do his little Le'Veon Bell impersonation. That's when the rushing attack is at its best. But uh, let's say, you know, let's say they stuff some runs, they're able to get a few off, then you got to put it in max hands. Um, you introduce Tyquan Thornton, who's had a good first couple of games, two touchdowns in the second game. Who the hell wouldn't sign up for that? Um, I told Andy one of the things I was most impressed by at the end of the game was the fact that all 10 rookies play. It's crazy that the Patriots kept 10 rookies. But all 10 played with several making meaningful contributions in the win against Cleveland. So, Paul, which rookie or has been most impressive to you? And what do you think of this draft class overall now, a third of the way through the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the draft class. The one I like the most, it wouldn't be the answer to this question. The one I like the most is Marcus Jones. But I would say Jack Jones has probably been the most impressive on a consistent week-to-week basis. I still worry about him a little bit. I still think, and I, I see some videos of people, um, you know, that do a lot of the all 22 stuff showing plays that uh, where he wasn't, he didn't get targeted, but he got beat. And I worry about uh, some of those things, you know, now that you got six games on tape and it's teams start to watch this, they figure out, Hey, this, this 13 guy, he's jumping everything. We can, we can take advantage of him. We can set him up for a big play. Marcus Jones. I think his role is getting bigger and bigger every week. You know, with Jonathan Jones out of the lineup last week, you saw more defensive snaps. I just love his athleticism. I think he might be the best athlete in that class. And that's saying something because there's some really good athletes in the class. So, yeah, I mean, it looks to me like you have a a number of young guys that should be part of the the future going forward. Uh, I know this is uh, something I'm sure you've talked about on PU, the idea that, well, this season really is kind of panning out like last year where you bad start, soft schedule, take advantage of the opposition. Maybe they're even missing some guys. You build some some confidence, build some wins, but is it false hope? But I want to ask you, if, if there's any reason to believe that it won't be that, that it'll be more fruitful, and maybe it'll maybe you're going to be a little bit better than most of us that picked 9-8 and eight or whatever as a record, because I saw Vegas actually, it went from 8.5 down to 7.5. It's now back up to 8.5 with these two wins for the, the season total, but do you have any reasons where you've said, huh, if that keeps in that direction, maybe they are a little, like whether they're players, like for, for example, you know, one of mine um, that I've talked about a little bit is our guys like Dietrich wise or Kyle Duggar that look like they may be taking their game a little bit to the next level, either individuals or areas of the team that maybe you feel, and I know this isn't usually the way you, this is more Fitzy side of the street. You're going to play here, but the optimistic Paul Perillo, what would you point no, to? No, I, I have something for on this topic that I'll, I'll say, but to answer you, I like your two picks. Um, I would add, I would say a guy like Judon. Um, yep. I, I like the way they're sort of resting him. And I think they have an eye toward what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And it, I think he's been their best player consistently every game. And if he can do it for 17 weeks, instead of, 
you know, eight or nine like he did last week, uh, last year, I, I think that might be something that you could say this could be different. Um, I think you're right to look on the defensive side of the ball. I would say the secondary in general. I think their coverage has been pretty solid for the most part. And I, I think if you can continue that when you start seeing some of the better teams, maybe that's a, a, a reason. But the, the number one thing for me, I kind of think the season will unfold the way you said, Andy. I think when they start seeing some of the better teams, they'll probably find their level eight, right. eight, eight, nine, nine and eight. Maybe they win 10 again, you know, similar kind of season as last year. But if that happens, I will feel a thousand times better about it than I did last year. And it's because of what Fitzy talked about with, with all those draft picks. Mm-hmm. Finally, Bill said, I don't need 30 something year old linebackers playing every down with Van Noy and Hightower and Collins. I'm going to get some different guys out there. Some of them aren't going to work. We haven't really seen much from Josh Uche or Anthony Jennings, but they're out there playing. You know, Raekwon McMillan, some weeks he looks like he can play, other weeks he can't. They've changed things up a little bit. They're giving roles to guys like Tyquan Thornton. You know, when Nikhil Harry was on IR that year and he came back, and I understand it was eight weeks as opposed to four, and that's a big difference. But did anybody think Nikhil Harry was coming off IR to make a major contribution that year? And it had nothing to do with Nikhil Harry because we really didn't know what he was then. Tyquan Thornton comes off IR, he's immediately activated, and he's immediately involved in the offense. Like, this is a departure from the way Belichick's normally done things, and that has me excited about the future. So even if they only win nine or ten games again, I'll feel a lot better about it with all these young guys contributing. And, Paul, you and I have uh, often said that uh, year six jump. Oh, yeah, year six jump he's going to make. Dietrich Wise might be putting that away. I keep you every week, the the year six jump. Andy, we are not making enough. I'm looking forward to if they win Monday, when they win Monday. Next week, I'm looking forward to hopefully a Dietrich Wise appreciation post or column from you because I don't think anybody thought this guy would make the leap. He's been in the – he's been disruptive – um, he looks bigger, stronger, somehow faster year six. Like, I think he a lot of us it. thought he was going to be like, well, somebody has to be on the bookend for Judon, not, Hey, wow. Jude, he finally figured it out. Like he's, and he's, he's playing every down too. See, that's, yeah. but my concern is it's not sustainable. Like right. we talked about Stevenson getting worn down in that role. He's mm-hmm. playing like 80 plus percent of the snaps here. Dietrich wise, I, you know, I've always thought he was a marionette with an arm ready to fall off or a leg ready to fall off. He just right. looks like a weird build. And I hope – I love him. He has oh, quickly become one of my favorite players. He's one of the greatest guys in the locker room. So, I'll cross oh, he's my the best. He's such a good guy. And you yeah, know he's a zappy crazy. guy, right, Paul? He does, like, zappy hours, zappy endings, zappy – he likes to make zappy puns like I do. What, he does that on Twitter? Uh, no, he did it in the locker room, and then I kind of got him to do it at the podium one day. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Paul, I got one last one I for don't you. Miss that, <laughs> <laughs> now, now I get it all. Thanks a lot, Perillo. Um, so I got one last one for you, and then uh, we'll whip around with our predictions and wrap it up. Um, so with Thornton emerging, and obviously like Aguilar, like, ooh, my hamstring hurts after he drops an easy one and then you know, oh, Andy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 Paul, I predicted it in the post game show after the yep. fumble. I said Aguilar will be inactive with a hamstring injury next week. And it's a hamstring injury just so us idiots can't blog Aguilar healthy scratch at $10 million. Right. Exactly. You know, because he John who smits a ball into their arms, given Zappy an interception he doesn't deserve. And then, of course, there's the born drama, which none of us could figure out for love or money. So, do you think one of those two guys gets dealt? 
All right. So that's that's a good way. I saw the Jeremy Fowler piece uh, earlier in the week, you know, and he talked about Bourne. I think Bourne would have some some value. I'm not sure what, what is Jeremy has. Fowler, Paul. Huh? What pocket yeah. is Jeremy Fowler? Because uh, he has become whatever they tell him. He I'll says talk, it. I'll, yeah, I'll talk about that off air. Oh, um, <laughs> every once in a while, even I don't want to rip the media. What? I'll get to that. <laughs> um, I don't know Jeremy Fowler, and that's why I don't want to. Like, oh, I don't know him either. I've never, I've never even met him, so I don't think it's fair for me to say that. Seems like a bit of a mouthpiece for the organization of late. Okay, you say it. I, I, I don't. I thought that was Field Yates' job. Well, they, they need a lot of mouthpieces. They got a lot of messages they need to get. What about, Diana, what about Diana Rossini? I, I thought I'm still in love with Jared Stidham. Well, D- Diana Rossini, I believe, is away on maternity, right? She just had a baby. Oh, so oh, Fowler picked right. up where she left off. Good call, Paul. I think you're online there, Fitzy, with what you're talking about. Again, I'll talk about this off here. I like um, it better on air. But do, does one of them potentially get dealt? Oh, the All right, can we just see? <laughs> Everything's I think going Kendrick fine. I think Kendrick Bourne would have some. I think yeah. he could get you maybe a mid-round draft pick. I think he'd have some some value. I want to throw this at you. I, I threw this out on PU today. Uh, looks like Odell Beckham's getting closer to being ready to sign mm-hmm. with the team. Would you make a deal for Bourne? You know, maybe grab a draft pick and, and sign sign Beckham. Um, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. Well, so why would Beckham do that, though? I don't know. Oh. Maybe they, maybe he doesn't have a ton of – I know that it looks like Kansas City is interested in him. And certainly, if I had a choice between Kansas City and New England, I'd take the Chiefs. Well, but, Buffalo was a rumor, too, because he and Von Miller are supposedly like tight boys uh, or whatever. What yeah, about I would, I, I would, I would take Buffalo, too. <laughs> Da- uh, Dallas, obviously, they've got one and a half wide receivers. Uh, yeah. You're old, you're uh, Andy's favorite player, Tom Brady, could probably use an extra receiver in Tampa. They have they've had some receiver issues. Okay, so you give me a lot of options that are probably more attractive than New England. However, if you had a choice, if you could do it, would you be interested in bringing them in? Uh, I would. I would if I were the Patriots because I don't know what's going on with them. I personally would not because I don't think it's a long term thing. I think Bourne, you should be trying to rehab that relationship. We need to get back to where we were at the end of last year where we said, ooh, this guy needs more touches. He's their closest thing to a playmaker. He seems to be, you know, fit well with Mac. They get blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know where we went off the tracks between last January and then the summer. And mm-hmm. I, I would try to rehab the relationship. But if it's not rehabable, which I'm not sure that's a word, but uh, I, I then I would move on. We'll allow and, it. And okay. Uh, all right, so uh, here we go. It's time now Paul's for the old blowout. St- he already old, told us that. Yeah. All right, well, I'll just give him a chance to extrapolate and uh, further his prediction. So let's go. Let's whip it around the room. We'll begin with you, Andy Hart, as we wrap up this edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. How do you see it playing out Monday night, Hot? Yeah, I um, I, I think Mac Jones is going to play, and I don't think he's going to be rusty. I actually think he's going to come out um, slinging and flinging and looking good. Um, I'm intrigued to see where he is emotionally and like motivationally. I think this has been an interesting three weeks for him. Um, And I think he wants to put on a show and I do think he's rejoining an offense that should be better because I don't know, Matt Patricia has been an offensive coach for like six months, but since Mac has been gone, he's gotten game reps. He's got, and even Patricia talked about it, like the game planning. Like I like this. I'm it's, I'm more in my world game planning. Um, So I think Mac is joining a better offense. Uh, So I, I think they're going to roll the Bears. I think Justin Fields stinks. He's an athlete, not a quarterback right now. Um, and I know they're not a great offense in general. And 
I think the Patriots are going to run the ball. I think they're going to throw it, and I bet you they get a couple picks. This could be another Jack Jones, Paul Perillo day um, on a Justin Fields throw. I know they don't throw it a ton, but you may have an opportunity. So I'm going to say Patriots 27, Bears 13. Very close to my score. Um, Yeah, I would agree with uh, virtually everything Andy said. I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Justin Fields than he is. I put a lot of his woes on uh, the ineptitude around him, uh, specifically with the coaching staff. I don't think it's any way to develop a quarterback by asking him to throw the ball 17 times a game. Um, I understand what they're doing because the stat that that is absolutely one of the most astounding things that I've seen in my seven weeks of preparing for these games so far, he's thrown the ball 115 times and has been sacked on 20% of those dropbacks. Oh. That is an unbelievable number. Oh. Uh, it's It's number one in the league. So they can't have him drop back at all with any certainty that he's going to live to see the the end of the play. So I think that's making a lot of bad habits for Justin Fields. I think he's running around. Uh, he, he's he's attempt. He's already rushed the ball fifty four times. So they just have nothing going on offensively in Chicago. And, and for that reason, I I don't think this game will be a challenge at all. I, I went twenty seven six. They can run the ball. Uh, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, is, uh, Herbert's been pretty impressive with the average per carry. Uh, they've basically split the carries. They can run the ball a little bit. I think the Patriots' run defense has been better uh, the last couple of weeks after two really bad weeks against Baltimore and Green Bay. Um, so they look like they have that fixed. I, I don't see how a team that throws the ball – I think they've thrown 25 passes in a game once in, in six weeks. I don't think you can beat the Patriots being one-dimensional. I don't think it'll be close. But what about the Nikhil Harry revenge game? Let's not even pretend to take that seriously. Yeah, no, it could happen. I don't think it could. You got Darnell Mooney on one side, Nikhil Harry on the other. What about that really good special teamer? Extra blocker in the the running game. Right in the run, the power run game. Um, Andy's prediction was close to mine. I got Patriots 30, Bears 13. Uh, I think it's an easy, I think it's an easy cover. I do think Matt comes out and looks sharp. Uh, I oh, do I think he that too. Tr- yeah. tries to like really hammer home a point, start short. Um, he'll, he'll resemble Zappy. How about that? The Zappy comparisons to Mac will be made. It'll be the best we'll have seen him in a while. Certainly the best he'll have looked in 2022. The run game will do very well setting Mac up. And hopefully that's a springboard for the Patriots for week eight against a Jetropolitans team that is sneaky good. Like I told you, they might be Andy after that killer draft. And I think the Jets beat the Broncos this week. You could have four and three Patriots against the five and two Jets in week eight. What a world, huh? That'd be fun. Wait, so we're still in last place? Three three game winning streak, still in last place? Jeez. Yeah, right? Miami could lose. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, go Steelers. Minka, Fat- Minka Fitzpatrick revenge. Fat, fat. Uh, uh, one, one slip up and you want to jump off. You're looking over. at Paul when you make a fat joke. I see how oh, it is. All right. All right. That's it. That'll do. Uh, thank you very much to Mark Grody from 670 The Ticket in Chicago for joining us. Good job, producer Justin Turpin. Andy Hart at Jumbo Hart. We'll have him on Saturday at EEI and Sunday, excuse me, Monday night late with the Six Rings post game show. You can follow Mr. Perillo, everything that he does on Patriots Unfiltered, patriots.com at PFW Paul. Thank you very much, Mr. Perillo, for joining us once again. An absolute pleasure, sir. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you. All right, Hart. Perillo, everybody. That's it for Six Rings and Football Things. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. And as always, go Pats.